Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast and share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it. And if you're really feeling special, leave a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast, as that'll greatly help me out. Now on to today's guest. I am blessed to be sitting down with Colin Henderson, who is a Fortune 500 speaker, author of five books and two journals, creator of the Mental Toughness Online Certification, the host of Master Your Mindset Podcast, a mental conditioning coach, and a sought-after performance coach. He wrote Quiet Mind as one of his books that I mentioned. He wrote five of them, but Quiet Mind is a book that I just read, and I loved everything that he said in the book. So I'm super excited to dive into today's episode just to hear Colin's thoughts and have a great conversation related to mindset, to mental conditioning, to mental health, uh, and just high performance in general. So thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. And as we like to say, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Thanks so much for hopping on the podcast, brother. I really appreciate it. Chris, I'm, I'm excited that we're talking about mindset, to talk about leadership, to talk about sales. I am here for it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know I know I referenced your book earlier, which which we'll dive into. Um, but I know you're you're going to be a great guest if uh, you bring it to the table like you did with your book and all that. So I love that. Yeah. So the, so the mission, I'll just listeners. Hey, thank yeah. you for tuning in. This is episode like 108. Is that true? Over a hundred episodes. So. Yeah, man, we're, we're over a hundred. It's kind of losing track a little bit. Uh, this will be, yeah. 108. I just released 107. So yeah, 108 right here. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you listeners for, for tuning in. We've been doing this for a few years. So um, let's just talk about being mentally fit and what that looks like. So it's kind of rearranging how you look at your day, how, how you grow and develop. I think it's uh, obvious that we can train our body. I mean, you got Orange Theory, CrossFit, Mm. Um, you got apps on your phone, Peloton, you know, to go to the gym, to work out physically. You got most business people, whether it's whatever craft you're in train, whatever their role is at work, that's normal. You have onboarding, you have a sales trainer, you have a manager leader that's training your craft. But I think we want to open the door. What you and I both share a passion for is this third bucket you can train is your mind. So the goal is it's not random. It's by design not this randomness basically your environment is creating your mindset but we want to have the the mental skills and the terminology i call prehab mm. is to prehab the awareness to be your authentic self to have the tools to go to when you notice that worry fear uncertainty or you have success how you how you respond to it so all these things i just said you can train confidence 
being in the present moment, um, how to be, how to attack fear and how to manage pressure, um, how to train things like gratitude and service and the power of self-image. So I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, man. And, and before you do all that, because I know we can talk about that for a while, I know at the start of your book, you talked about your earlier career uh, in, in medical device sales. So I would love if you could just touch on, on that a little bit um, and then maybe just some learning lessons behind that, because I know the start of your book, I don't want to spoil it, but like you had some awesome inner Im- imagery of like how stressful it was. And I was just like, felt yeah. like I was there. Um, so I would just love if you could kind of give a, a quick background about that side of your life too. Yeah, if you think about like what motivates you to do what you do, just listeners think about like, why do you do what you do? Why do you get up each day? Like, why do you not do certain things? Um, so there are two drivers in life. One is pleasure. They also is, is pain. And I would say the reason why I'm in this role of writing seven books, two journals, travel the country, speak somewhere every week, you know, online courses, I'm so grateful to do it. But that was forged by a ton of failure and a ton of fear, a ton of anxiety. So I tell people I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, I, by nature, want to please people to get my self-worth. Um, a lot of therapy over the years, my friend, and I've learned terms like codependency and imposter syndrome. Um, and my anxiety of like being perfect and, and, uh, it's all outcome result. Like I manifested a slight stutter when I was in sixth grade, you know, I grew up playing sports, grew up good in, in school. And for some reason I just would attach so much fear if I wasn't perfect and especially in, in, in public. So, um, I've just carried the, 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 this baggage and, you know, being a college student athlete and then being in sales, selling the doctors that those are pressure packed moments. Mm. And it got so consuming. My blood pressure was in the high one fifties for like three years. I just saw a doctor today. My blood pressure is one twenty three over 78, no, no medicine. Thank goodness. Um, I didn't have any tools, man. Like think about, you know, you're in sales. I mean, uh, you have, um, goals and you have maybe a mortgage or a rent, you have bills to pay. And it's really directly correlated to how well you can perform, how well you can sell. But a lot of times people in these performance worlds, they attach their worth. Mm. So I think my biggest struggle, uh, Chris was, I would attach my worth. So every performance, every meeting, every conversation, every sales call, every conference call, every game was a matter of life and death because if I did not win or I don't have success, I was, I would just beat myself up and, um, was so consumed by what I thought other people thought, which, you know, people aren't even paying attention to you, first of all. So, uh, but it wasn't until I, I changed companies, um, April of 2014. So about nine years ago, and I got exposed to a sales trainer. Uh, his name is Frankie pretzel. And I'm, I'm in his car riding around the Midwest, you know, for a week. And the first thing he says to me is, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you, man, there's all these trainings and onboardings and stuff on like the business stuff and the sales stuff. But I'm here to tell you sales psychology beats sales strategy. Mm. Like attracts like energy flows where focus goes, what you resist, what you resist, persists. thoughts become things. I'm like, what are you talking about? Frankie pretzel. What do you mean? It's like, it's mental. Like influence, mm-hmm. not only your mental well-being and your fulfillment, like your performance is directly tied to, to your thought life, to what you visualize, um, you know, being in these like uh, past shame cycles or these future fear-based cycles, you're reliving and you're pre-living and every sales call, it begins before it, it 
actually starts. It begins before it begins in your mind. So he's like, I'm going to give you 30 books, man. If you just take this year and read these books and here are some thought leaders to check out on YouTube or their content and just start to learn these patterns, learn these laws of success, learn the power of, of uh, your, your, your mental frequency and your energy. And, uh, when you, your what you visualize, how it just starts to embed and ooze into your cells, into your subconscious, into your actions. And that's where you're going to find the biggest growth. So just having a coach and, and being led down that path changed my life. And now yeah. I talk about stuff all the time. So not only was I, I, I got to learn some coping skills to, to heal because pain that's not properly processed gets projected. Mm. We keep projecting this, what I call trauma, drama, daddy and mama stuff. We just keep living in these cycles and we project onto others, how we see ourselves, how we see our environment, how much money we can make, how happy we can be, what partner we can attract and what we deserve. Like it's all embedded into our mindset from birth. So it's like unlearning what you've learned, healing some of this, these um, things that are embedded into um, our ourselves. You may have heard the phrase, the issues are in the tissues. Mm. Your, your, your cells are eavesdropping your cells have memory so getting these conscious thoughts embedded into your subconscious thoughts your nervous system is part of your brain which flows into your entire body so just going to the mind gym and mentally conditioning healing and training to be the best version of you and and having uh, some strategies in place to find awareness to find confidence so when when uh, frankie Prozzo, which awesome last name by the way um, when he gave you those books where you reluctant, like, I don't need these or what was kind of your thought process there? Uh, here's a truth in life. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm. I was so desperate to learn. I was like on like kind of rock bottom. I changed companies cause like I had so much anxiety. Listen, listen to how bad my anxiety was. So my last stop at the, the prior company, when I changed divisions, we had this like virtual sales training. You had to do like a, a mock sales call over the phone, this, they didn't have, they had internet, but for some reason we did it over the phone and I pre-recorded what I would say. And I like, basically it was super risky because I was so nervous to present in front of these people. I just had this menu of like things I pre-recorded and I would just play because I knew what questions they would ask because I had so much anxiety. Wow. Um, so yeah. And my, my escape, Chris was I would go watch movies in the middle of the day to escape reality. Mm. Like I would hide myself. I would numb myself for two and a half hours and just go into this other world and just escape this numbness and this pain. And this, this, I just felt lonely. I felt afraid. So once I got access to these tools, I was so hungry, man. I was like a caged animal just ready to be unleashed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't I didn't work hard. Like I'm a hard worker. I, I would maybe work too hard. Um, but sometimes, you know, knowing your product and working hard doesn't guarantee the results. It's, are you grinding or are you grooving? Mm. <clears throat> There's one thing I, I learned from a uh, great 1990s poet, Mr. Montel Jordan. You got to get your groove on before you go get paid. So like, if you're just grinding, you're, it's going to be hard to sustain. And right. are you doing the right efforts? But if you're grooving, you're in alignment. You're, you're, you're working downhill because you have the right behaviors. You have the right um, strategies. You have the right mindset. Um, you're doing it because you love it. And I love teaching any performer I, I meet is this concept of flow and flow means being in the zone. And a key aspect of flow is the activity is the reward, not the outcome. Mm. So if, if you're grooving, it's not just about the result. Yeah. And I mean, what, what advice did you have about that? Cause I totally agree. But like performers are like, ah, oh, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the basket or I didn't get the goal. Or I didn't get the sale. 
And then they're so tied up in the outcome most of the time because now they're having to report to somebody else that needs them to get the outcome. So, you know, do you have any advice out there? Maybe for some of the younger people, because there's a lot of younger listeners who are in sales who have to report to a manager who reports to a manager who reports to blah, blah, blah. And, you know, getting tied up in the outcome is, is so hard in that situation, you know? Yeah. Well, I do think we need an, an outcome goal. We need a target. So here's a question of philosophy to ask you. And I wonder what the, the, the listeners would answer. Does the target attract the arrow or does the arrow find the target? Mm. I'm asking you, Chris. Yeah. S- say that again. Does the target attract the arrow or does the arrow find the target? The arrow finds the target. It does. So that's kind of like process versus outcome. I I think, I think you need both. I think you need a target, but you want to be so precise with what arrows that you shoot. And you love the process of shooting the arrow. Mm. You, You love the process of, of what it means to prospect, to uncover needs, to build relationships, to find solutions, to use storytelling, use metaphors, to to go to accounts that no one will go to because it's too hard. I love when it was hard because no one would go there. Yeah. And and in this process, you just unlock power inside you that you never could have done unless you went through this 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 cycle of, you know, trying new things, failing, learning, growing, trying a new strategy. Um, so I just think we need to have goals to have kind of a target. I know a lot of people's goals are like preset. Mm-hmm. Well, then backward design, well, what would it take for me? And I think selling is like math. And just gamify it. Yeah. Gamify the process. Remove your worth. Turn it into a game of how many accounts you're going to call. How many times can you use this analogy? How many times can you use a a demo? How many times can you get them to do just a free trial? Or there's just different ways to to gamify it where it takes the result out, but it's building a bridge to take that customer from where they were prior to meeting you to like you take them on a journey where they're the hero they're engaged you're on their team you're not selling to them you're not convincing them you're you're serving them you're listening to them you're fun to be around and seeing that process man we're building relationships we're we're building um this like team and i think i i i love that about stuff like i i didn't feel like i never had like the scaries on, on sundays because i knew i'm gonna talk to my friends there i'm gonna make a new friend today and, yeah. and I'm going to be so different because I'm not going to sound like a salesperson. I'm going to really get to know them. I'm going to care about them. I'm going to fall in love with them. And our, and I've crafted a story that is so compelling that makes them at the center of the story. And that makes our why and, and their why feel united. Um, and obviously, we can't do all this on a quick little podcast. But yeah. um, I, I would say like if once, once you attach your worth to the results, you get so tight. You get so constricted you get so fear-based when you're loose when you're free when you're creative when you're authentic when you're empathetic and um you don't have these like this all fearing eye watching your every move and you feel that way once you can release that once things become fun that's when your sales grow yeah and i loved what you mentioned about gamifying it i I try to do that as well um and it just makes the day go by honestly in a more efficient and effective way um and it just makes it fun, right? Rather than just being so obsessed. And I loved your point about gamifying it, doing that leads the bridge to, to the results at the end of the day. That was really cool that you mentioned that. Um, you talked a little bit about this. I mean, you had you had anxiety, right? Um, and I was reading on y'all's or your website just some stats of uh, you know, anxiety being 
number one mental health concern. Americans are feeling more stressed than ever. Uh, 70 to 80 or 75 to 90 percent of U.S. doctor visits are caused from stress. Um, and so in your opinion, why, why do you think this is? Because it seems like we're now regressing as a society, not getting healthier and healthier. It seems like we're getting worse and worse and worse, especially from the mental health side of things. <coughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that. And that's, you know, when I, when I do a keynote or a live training, I always bring those up. And I just, I remind, if you lead people or you work with people, um, if you're not working on your mental fitness, you're being negligent. Just look at the data. But I really think, these numbers are more prevalent because I don't know if we really measured those as, as accurately as we did, as we, as we have done recently. Yeah. And I think we're in a different world now. There's so much more stimulus. There's um, more to it. I mean, I think a lot of people would just work at a brick and, and, and mortar job. They work nine to five. They had a similar routine. They get in their car, go to work. They know what to expect. Now there's almost like so much more options. Like I, I get stressed when we're as a family trying to figure out what, 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 what movie to watch because there's so many options. Yeah. So you, you have this like buyer's remorse for not doing, maybe I picked the wrong one. Or and then you have TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. You get to compare and you get FOMO on what other people are doing. And you're getting, again, your self-worth to what you think other people think, which is untrue. So I think the world we're living in is more complex than, than it ever has been. But I think we're seeing, again, kids early on feeling the pressure from, from their parents. You need to get a scholarship. You need to play on this club sport. You need to be the best, you know, whether it was with horses or chess or debate team or, or music or, or choir. There's this, I feel like parents are not, don't have the right tools to create environments where either everyone gets a medal or they're super negative on them. I just think parents need help. Um, but I think we all need just to have just some foundational tools. So schools teach us what to think. They don't teach us how to think. So with the numbers as they are now, uh, business onboarding, it's our responsibility ethically for the health and well-being of your employees to have, I don't know if you watch the show Billions, to have a, a Wendy on staff who is going to work on the, the mental side of, of a performance and, and culture and leadership and wins and losses and fear and failures. And, and so families can have these discussions, you know, at dinner, like, how do you cope through fear? Mm. How do you manage uncertainty? Well, where does true confidence come from? Uh, what happens to your brain and body when you practice gratitude? You know, just having these evidence-based things, um, because if we're not, we're seeing right now, we're in the era of the great, um, the, what is it? The great, not recession, where are people leaving? What is that called? Come on, help me out. No, is it the quiet quitting or is it the... Uh, well, quiet quitting, the quiet quitting is great one. resignation. Great resignation. What we need yeah. is the great transformation. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Shout out to my boy, Harry Wilson, on that one. But we need the great reinvention. We need to reinvent how we manage our day, how we manage our, our, ourselves, how we manage each other, and just get some, some, some tools that we can all learn. Because, I mean, this brain is super complex. And it's like jumping in a Ferrari and you have no driver's ed, no... Uh, education on like how to be safe when you're driving that, that car. I feel like right now, like we don't have a lot of coaching around this. Yeah. And to your point, like people are doing the workouts, the orange theory, <clears throat> the, all the physical side. Right. But I don't really hear about many people doing the, the mental conditioning, like you referenced them, the mind gym. Um, and honestly, ever since I, I read your book and started going to the mind gym more, like I've, I've been just felt a better person, felt a weight lift on my shoulder and just felt better. Um, and you know, what, what does happen to 
your mind with gratitude. Cause I've been writing down three things I'm grateful for, for the past five years, every single day. Um, and I know it does something cool, but like, well, in, in your perspective, yeah. what does it do? <clears throat> so research from, from, from Dr. Evans out of Cal Davis, a daily gratitude routine lowers cortisol by nearly 30%. And cortisol is that, that like stress hormone. So right. I think a lot of people are operating on this like high stress level, which it doesn't drop, you know, when they get home, like it's just sustained because you're worrying about emails and <clears throat> not to do this thing tomorrow. Also gratitude has been pr- proven to, um, to help with, um, inflammation. It boosts your immune system. Uh, Penn, um, had cited research that it lowers scores of depression and anxiety. Hmm. Uh, Duke has research that, you know, people that they, they studied, I don't know the, 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 scientists study, but I know it's a Duke study that people who are grateful and optimistic, the research shows that they are wealthier, mm-hmm. have more grit and resilience, and they win more in business and in, in sales. So there's physical health benefits, but there's performance uh, gains as well. So as a family, we play what I call like happy breakfast or happy lunch, happy dinner, where every kid goes around as a family, we say one thing that, that made us happy that day. So we're trained to, to hunt the good stuff because finding what's wrong is always available. And what you focus on expands. What you focus on, you will find. Like attracts like. <clears throat> and then I have every kid uh, give a sibling, say, say, say something kind about, about your, your brother or sister and a compliment. But then they have to give them themselves uh, a, a nice phrasing about themselves too. They have to say something kind about themselves with which they, they like. Um, and then I think the a direct tie to gratitude is also service. So when you have like a grateful heart, like a grateful, grateful thoughts and energy and words, your natural um, output is, is serving. So there's also great data on how serving is a form of gratitude, which produces uh, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, these are happy chemicals that are really healing. So if there's just foundational things that we can do every day to go to the mind gym is just having an awareness of looking for the good, acknowledge the good. Don't just think the good, but feel gratitude in yourselves. Mm. It's really powerful when you can connect a thought with a feeling. Um, you are literally changing your cells. You're creating neural pathways. You're changing your brain from the inside out. And then when you start to do acts of kindness and service, um, it makes other people feel good. It makes people who are in your environment observe the, the, kind, the kindness. They want to start acting that way. So it, it elevates everyone and everyone around you. Yeah. I love the, uh, the happy dinner. Um, that's so cool. And, and, you know, looking for the good, I think the human mind is trained to look for the negative and look for the bad. Um, but you're just training it to, to look for the good. You know, that's why I love like the gratitude and positive affirmations and all that. Cause I mean, it's, it's, you're training your mind, right. To, to just look ultimately for good things that are going to come out of it. Yeah. Well, this is just having, um, a language around as a family and, and within yourself. And then we have a family slogan, which is Henderson's help. And then, you know, uh, we have three, three kids in school or after school or at, at nighttime, I'll ask the kids one question. And most parents who have kids ask, you know, how was your day? What'd you do? Did you eat your lunch? Well, I asked them one question, who did you help today? And then we just have a discussion on, you know, we say, seek to serve, don't swerve. Mm. I think so many people swerve out the way because someone else is going to do or someone else will pick up that trash or, you know, to if someone needs to get through a door, open the door or just acknowledge someone and say hello or say thank you. No, we are going to be the ones leading the charge to, to always serve first. Yeah, I love that. That's so Henderson's help is what you said that the slogan was. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I want to reference uh, real quick here some some stuff from your book. Um, one of them you mentioned, and I'm reading this offset on butcher it, but that the 2005 study in your book that you mentioned of 80% of, of human thoughts are negative, 90% of them are reoccurring. And then, you know, the concept of 70,000 thoughts per day, 95% of your behavior is controlled by these thoughts. So can, can you kind of break that down? Cause that really blew my mind. I'm like, wait, 80% of human thoughts are negative, but now your thoughts are driving your behavior. Whoa, what's going on here? So, yeah, I think it's, it's, we all need to understand just, just the brain science, like foundationally, the brain is designed to survive, not thrive. Hmm. The brain is designed from, we, we have this million year, thousand year brain that just, we need a reboot. It's still in these patterns of looking at threats and danger, looking at our, our environment and looking for, you know, what's going to kill us, what's going to eat us, what's going to stop us. But we've shifted this reality of like danger of a lion or a tiger to how do I look? Am, am I, am I fitting in? Do I belong to this group? Because if you're a caveman and you can't fit into a group, the chances of you, of you surviving on your own are a lot, a lot smaller. So we just want to be like fit in and then throw in TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Like we just have this pressure to just to fit in, to belong. So, uh, one of my, the first question in my book, Chris, let's see if you can comprehend. The first question I ask in the book is, how would you define the word mindset? So if we know mindset is everything, it controls everything. Let's just, when I teach and do workshops, I always like, let's pick a definition and like break it down and then teach off that. So do you remember how we define that, that word? Uh, a conditioned set of beliefs. Yeah. Which drives behavior. Yeah. Yep. So, so mindset by definition is a conditioned set of beliefs that drive behavior. The the sad thing about, about that definition is we've been conditioned since birth by what we see here and experience. Mm. So early children, like young, young children, they don't see color. They don't have a lot of times, I, mean, I guess fear socially be like, well, that's not my mom, my dad, who, who are you? But like, they're usually more playful and they, they can daydream and um, they tell me what do you want to be when I grow up. I want to be a, a dancer. I want to be a pro athlete. I want to be an artist. I want to be you know, playing in you know, a rock band. And then we start to just get, you know, in our environment, whether it's through our peers, through adults. And it's good to know just the wiring, the the brain is like a Velcro to, to negative things. Hmm. So that, that conditioning, <clears throat> it's storing what I call trauma, drama, daddy, and mama stuff. And it's for your survival, like, okay, that didn't feel good. Your, your body, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. <clears throat> um, any, any, any in situation where you felt fear or unsafe or you're sad or lost, like it's just storing. And then you're going to prevent at all costs being able to experience that again. So whether it's, uh, being able to read out loud or hearing no, or getting dumped or, uh, your parents yelling at you or, or something, or you failed a test, like you're just storing just like a junk drawer, all of these traumatic events or these hurtful events. So the, the, the simplest now I can give is, the brain is like a junk drawer. You just keep piling and piling on these events and these scary things and these this guilt and the shame. And so when you're in these, these new environments or in moments when you want to be authentic, you want to deliver, you want creativity, you can't find it because you're stored all this crap in there and there's no structure. So 
mental conditioning or uh, mental fitness, whatever you want to call it, is taking time to reflect and, and, to, and to heal and to acknowledge where did that thought come from? Mm. Is that thought even true? A great question to consider is from Dr. Susan David out of Harvard. She asked, who's in charge, the thinker or the thoughts? So the simple answer is just like walking your dog, who's walking who? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, if, if the mind is untrained, the thought will win. If the mind is trained, the thinker will win. You have the power to observe without judgment and say that thought is not true. That's not serving me. That's old past conditioning that I need to let go of. I need to heal. I need to challenge some of those thoughts. <clears throat> and these thoughts of like future-based things, what if, what if that goes wrong? That's I'm making these up. Yeah. So what, what is in my control? What, what can I do? Um, and it's just shrinking your focus to be, to be here, to be here now. Yeah. Being more present. And, and I love that you just broke it down like that. And, you know, I think that the negative thoughts just really hold people back. Um, and that's a good perspective you shared about, you know, kids like they're, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then you get into the real world and it's like, you know, I thought you said you wanted to do this, but, but you're an accountant, not, not knocking accountants or anything. Right. But like, yeah, it's just very interesting. Right. And it goes back to like the fear, right. Of, of what's holding you back from, from kind of your true potential. Would you say like negative thoughts go into that as well? Or. Yeah. I mean, again, your, your, your conditioning is shaping a belief about yourself and that's flows into your behavior. So you may have heard people say, I'm not a morning person. I always forget names or in Charlotte, no one's ever been number one here because access or like they told me that in Seattle, like no one's ever been like yeah. successful in Seattle because access, all those crap. These are just, these beliefs are just limiting yourself. So an, an exercise I've seen they've been, been very powerful is to identify your ants, your automatic negative thoughts or your annoying negative thoughts. And, and just write them down and, and take an inventory and start to pay attention. If I'm doing live seminars, I'll ask a question. If you talk to yourself, raise your hand. And some people don't raise their hand. And I'm like, well, those who didn't raise your hand, they're thinking, do I talk to myself? Well, we're all thinking, do I talk to myself? We're, we're going through this process and we all do it. But have you done an audit or what I call a map, a mental map of your thought life? So mm -hmm. M is just a monitor. So you would never let someone with dirty feet walk around your house with mud and just destroying your carpet. So why would you let these thoughts live in your mind over and over again? So start to monitor, pay attention. And A is to audit. Just like if you have a laptop or a desktop, and you have like a million tabs open, it's not going to run efficiently. Right. So auditing is like, hey, this thought is not serving me. This thought is not true, or I mean, maybe I need to really delve deep and do some some healing with a therapist or a counselor, with a partner, with a friend, <clears throat> and start to uncover why why does this keep coming up? Because I haven't probably processed that. And the P of this model, MAP, is to program. So just like you would pre-plan your outfits, you would have meals, meal prep for the week when you go get groceries, decide proactively okay what thoughts do i want to focus on what thoughts do i want to think and feel what vision what are my goals what are my habits i want to attack what questions do i want to ask customers this week how do i want to show up with my energy with my, my partner mm. and 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 go there in your mind first because everything happens twice first in our mind then in real life the brain and body cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined so just like you would you would go to the gym orange theory crossfit the peloton you would carve out 30 to an hour of doing physical fitness. Well, I'm just asking for like four or five minutes a day to get clear on 
how do you want to think and feel? What actions do you want to take this week? And start to practice them and rehearse them mentally and emotionally and go to the mind gym with all your senses and experience them as if they're already yours. This is such a powerful healing exercise of, of clarity. And this is from Earl Nightingale. He once said, old school mindset teacher, you become what you think about most of the time. Mm. But we're in the shame and fear cycle and we're so shocked and surprised. Like, Why am I always feeling stuck? It's because your thoughts or your, your, your vision or your mindset, your self-talk is in the, in the, the wrong places. Yeah. And it all goes back to self-talk at the end of the day, right? Yeah. The number one source of confidence research from, uh, from, from the, the BBC lab in the, in the UK research led by Andrew Lane, they found that self-talk was number one driver of confident action. Wow. So your, your inner dialogue, you know, what you say to yourself, according to the edge Institute has 10 times the power. Yeah. So what you say to yourself, so whatever you think and verbalize your brain believes it to be true. So why would you not, concoct and design thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors that, that are going to serve you. I agree, man. I totally agree. And to your point, uh, you mentioned working out what 45 minutes, uh, whatever you mentioned there. Um, the mental conditioning, you know, let's just say people are, are picking up what you're putting down. They're like, all right, you know, this makes sense. Uh, how much time would you, would you suggest <clears throat> dedicating per day? And do you have kind of a routine of like, I do this, 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 and then I'm good type of thing. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So so I, I prescribe what I call the four-minute mental workout. And when I was doing all this work, like reading the data, reading the articles, reading the, 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 the research, reading <clears throat> thought leaders that have been passing these concepts down for thousands of years. This stuff has been around for thousands of years. Right. But the Bible is got tons of these truths all over it. Old Testament, New Testament. I have a, a tattoo, a little verse that says Romans 12, 2, which is don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. So the problem is, is people wake up and they look at their email. They look at the news. They look at, they start scrolling and start to create FOMO and, and comparing. And they, they look at, you know, what I, I am to quota. And like, you start your day in this panic mode. So if we can win the morning and like prime our mind, like we would our body to get in alignment, to get in rhythm, to create a good mood, to create excitement, to create gratitude. So just looking at what the research shows, if you do these four things, your life's going to change. It only takes four minutes, it's like one minute per, per piece of this. The first one is just to breathe. You know how many people walk around like mouth breathing or they have shallow breathing, which is inviting more Oxygen, which creates fight, fight, freeze high. What we need is more CO2, which is a slow exhale. tells your subconscious you're not in danger. Mm -hmm. It tells your nervous system, we're good. <clears throat> we're good. Because if you have the, the ability to like have a slow breath, it means there's no lion tigers around the corner and you're, you're going to chill. And also your breath work trains elite focus. I would wager to say in anything you do, if you're a mom, if you're a teacher, if you're an uh, investor, if you're a student, um, if you're an athlete, being in the present moment and being able to, to, to mono-focus and starve your distractions, feed your focus, that's an elite mental skill. But we don't train it. Most people don't train it. So take a minute to just be in stillness, and your job is to do nothing. Your job is literally to do nothing <clears throat> but to just breathe and find your breath. 
and to unlock tension in your forehead, in your jaw, your shoulders, your back. Listeners, right now, do a quick body scan while you're taking some slow, deep breaths. How tight are you? So get into this place of rest and peace to be open to receive wisdom. Mm. We have wisdom within, but we don't allow an, an access point to activate it because we're in this a cortisol mode and like fear mode and grind mode. So I'm just asking to you, I'm not asking for, for 20 minutes TM twice a day. I'm asking for a minute to just ground yourself three to five slow deep breaths and just be right here. And a thoughts may come and go. Your only job is to come back to your breath. Do that for one minute. Now we move into what you and I talked about pre-show, which is the HA method, which is an acronym for I have, I am, I will. The H is this concept of gratitude of I have. Because the brain is in this motive of scarcity, because this the brain is in a motive of fear, it's going to be really attached to things that you don't have. It's going to hyper-focus. The brain is designed to worry. So one, a great question I love to ask anybody is, is what you're worried about worth worrying about? Is it really that important to worry about that? Now, I can give you probably 10 things that are really worth worrying about. Is that like your outfit or that is it? Is that really that big of a deal right now? Mm. Or <clears throat> being in traffic for an extra five minutes, is that really that big of a deal? Like, honestly. But we major in minor things that we can't control and it sabotages our energy, our focus throughout the entire day. <clears throat> so we can just spend a minute and just doing an inventory to hunt the good stuff, to acknowledge, to give thanks, to journal, to meditate, to feel, see faces, experience things that bring you joy. Lower your threshold for gratitude. You can't be fearful, bitter, angry, hateful, and grateful at the same time. This, Chris, is a trained skill. Just like learning a new language, just like learning how to play the piano. Like it's, It doesn't come natural to us. Yeah. So stillness breathing when we're like constant on the go is hard to do, but we can train that. I, I, I'm guessing most people listen to this podcast. When you're at a red light, you all pull your phone out. Don't act like you don't do it. When you're in an elevator or in a line, you pull it out. First thing you do, let's use that as a prompt to be still, to take a few deep breaths and reflect on gratitude. Now that's the H. The A is I am which is just short. I mean, those are the two shortest words we can say, but maybe the most powerful two words you can say. It's any sense, I am. Yeah. And just start practicing powerful self-talk. And again, this is a trained skill. I work with pro athletes, man. Like saying for half of them, half of them do this naturally, half of them beat themselves up. So it's really hard for them to, to, to do this. Mm. Is to just rewire how you speak to yourself. I'm worthy. I'm built for this. Now I'm saying go to truth, be credible with your self-talk. Don't just give blank affirmations. Like I have overcame hard things. Here's some examples. I've had had success in my career getting ads for this, for this brochure, for this magazine. Now I have closed deals and I have built great connections in my life. I have dear friends. I trust myself. I love myself. I was working with an Ivy league quarterback this past year. He's a freshman about to start. And he's like, man, I feel like an imposter. I was like, well, we came up with three, three anchor statements. He would say, um, I love what I have. I trust what I have. I always play good. And that's based off, that's based off of truth. 
Yeah. And I learned that from one of my buddies who played in the played college football, played in the NFL and the, and the CFL. So I, I stole that from him. Um, but to just practice productive self-talk thoughts become things like attracts like. So, um, language is the wardrobe of our beliefs. Mm. So words are tools. So be very, very, um, focused and detailed and, and designed not by default. How are you going to think the words you're going to use, the images you're going to think about when that flows into, I will is set your intention, set your intention. When you jump on an airplane, you know exactly where you're going. There's no confusion. Like we're, we're jumping in Charlotte. We're going to Nashville, Nashville. Hey, I'm going to LA. I'm going to Houston on Monday, actually. And like, there's no confusion where I'm going. Right. And I'm, I'm going to experience it and I'm going to visualize it. And I'm going to put all my senses in there. I'm going to predetermine what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to see. Uh, and maybe some, some, some turbulence along the way, how I'm going to respond to that. But like, just put yourself in, in that environment and you literally become what you think about. Hmm. The, the brain is like Google, but we usually give it the wrong prompts to find reasons why we're going to fail or reasons why we're unworthy. Well, give your brain reasons why you're going to win and, and dress rehearse greatness already. And then you just start to become what you think about. It's amazing. Dude, I love that you just broke that down in that much detail. Um, because I mean, that's some very actionable advice that all the listeners can, can take. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, it, 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 it sounds like it takes a long time, but you know, I, I knock it out in four to five minutes. Um, and dude, great point about your phone. I mean, I catch myself still doing that. I've, I was in the line at the grocery store the other day and I just like pulled out. I'm like, you know what? Like I'm just going to chill here for a second. But I think to get out of that habit, it's just being conscious about, all right, I'm going to chill here for a second. Stillness, breath, um, because the phone, it's so easy to pick up. <clears throat> so. Well, if you look at, you look at the habit loop, um, whether Charles Duhug or yep. other, other, other habit speakers, one of my favorites is James Clear. There's a cue, response, a reward, and a, and a craving. So let's, let's just I, I identify common cues in our environment where we have these like bad habits. Let's substitute these triggers. Like when your alarm goes off, like you scroll Instagram. Or what if your alarm goes off? You have water right next to your bed because you're dehydrated after sleeping for seven, eight hours. Slam some water. Get your ass out of bed. Go somewhere quiet. One of my favorite quotes I learned from Brian Kane is sweat before screen and do like a walk or um, a stretch or a workout. <laughs> All right. And then write down some things of gratitude or set one intention. Take a, a breath, give one thought of gratitude, give yourself one affirmation and set one intention and go out about your day and be clear on just being, being very authentic on, on that path. Um, but it's just changing these habits, changing your environment where these, these cues will, will trigger a certain behavior will take control of your mind and, and, and your, and your actions and substitute preemptively and start to practice these. So the first, just like learning any new skill or habit, it takes some time. So have some compassion for yourself. Once you start stacking these daily wins, you become what you think you become what you uh, practice. So yeah. start now. Yeah. No, I love that, man. Thanks again for breaking that down for everybody. Um, before we, we jump off, what, where can people connect with you? I know I uh, have distributed to people. They got to read quiet mind. Um, so I'm going to plug that again, but I would love for, if you could just take it from there about the best place to connect. I mean, the best place is on Instagram at Colin Henderson, um, LinkedIn at Colin Henderson, two L's. Um, if you go to, to amazon.com again, two journals, seven books, you can get quiet mind. 
download it to your Kindle or you can get um, the hard copy. You know, I, I recorded an audiobook of it, but for whatever reason, we just have not uploaded it. I got to get more organized. Um, and uh, I would say, or my website, which is thecolinhenderson.com. Perfect. Yeah. So, so yeah, and I'll say, if you go to my, my website, I have two resources for you. One resource is a book list that was inspired by Frankie Pretzel, which I've uh, coined the Jedi Scrolls. So if you want to be a Jedi, learn learn how to use the Force, learn how to use your mind, <laughs> then I have a, a bunch of books you can take, take a look at. And I also have an email I send out called TBTT, Thoughts Become Things Thursday. I send an email to your inbox every Thursday on more strategies, more tools that are based in, in evidence and science, but it's like real, real, real world stuff. Yeah. I love that, man. I'll throw all those in the, in the show notes for you. Um, and hopefully get some more emails for you. I'm going to sign up personally. I didn't know you had that. Um, so you just got a new email subscriber off of this one. So, love it. um, but not Colin, thanks again, man. This was great. Like I said, read your book, following you on Instagram for a while. Um, so this was a, a pleasure for me and I know all the listeners got a lot of value out of it as well. And, uh, of course, hope you have a great rest of your week, brother. Thanks, Chris. And every single training, every session with, with this truth, listeners, let's let's really work on this and understand this and live this. The body has limits, but the mind is limitless. You guys have an awesome day, awesome week. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Colin. The links that he mentioned will be in the show notes. And other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.